BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. When you're sitting with these guys, are you are you asking them any questions or are you just more happy to meet them? Well, that's that's always the trick is you want to be a fan. But when you got the chance to sit next to them, you don't want them to do him. So basically, you just soak it in. You know, okay. you you ask a couple of questions, you know, like, so did you own a specific deck of cards that you got that image from? But you got to be yeah. deep. You can't just go, oh, my God, I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> but the, you could do that on this show about Batman, though, because that's what this <laughs> show is about. Everyone's got to think. Laugh long and prosper never gets old. Hi, everyone. I'm one of your podcast co-hosts today, David Magadoff. And with me is my most wonderful co-host who's about to head out the door to film her beautiful Lifetime movie starring Jake Busey and, of course, the one and the only. What's your name? Claire Kramer. <laughs> what if I said David Magadoff? <laughs> <laughs> I'd Hi. Be like, okay. Well, yeah. Okay. We're really Surprise. good friends. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, you you know, I feel like you should be in this movie with me a little bit because oh. there there is I know I can't spoil anything, David. I don't, don't I don't want to spoil this crazy movie called The Farm, but there are some like sheriffs in this movie. And so I'm feeling like you could resurrect your character, Teddy from Dexter new blood and like bring him right on into this new movie called the farm. <laughs> I feel like Teddy would know how to handle uh, a sheep getting loose from the pen. Yes. So, now we Teddy really, that, I believe we really are filming on a farm. It's a working farm. Um, mm. There are there. It's really interesting. There are a lot of roosters. There's like five roosters and a bunch of hens. And apparently they were supposed to go to slaughter last week. But because oh, wow. we're filming and we need the continuity of the same animals, they're not going to slaughter. And also there was a discussion about, hey, if like the farmer kills these chickens and roosters per farming, you know, the cycle of farming, the cycle of life. Yes. Does that give us an, like, can we still say for PETA that we're clear? So there's a little bit of a question mark there. So guess what? We saved all the roosters and the hens. And once the movie wraps, no longer responsible for that. But I feel good about that. Yeah. That's something that's wonderful. And hopefully you get to go home with a few eggs in your basket. I There's a little store and I am purchasing eggs and frozen peaches and lavender yes. and other wonderful oh, things. Oh, yes. <laughs> 
anyway, we're, we're not here to talk about me. I would love to keep talking about me, but uh, there's someone even more interesting than me, our guest today, Phil Lamar. You guys know Phil from Futurama, Mad TV, Pulp Fiction, Samurai Jack, and as Star Trek Lower Deck fans, you have heard his voice play many a character on the Including show. Including Admiral Freeman. Yes. Admiral Freeman, Mariner's father uh, himself. Uh, so this episode's a fun one. This is episode nine, by the way, of Star Trek Lower Decks on Paramount Plus out of the 10 episode season, season three. We'll talk a little bit about what we thought about it in a sec. But yeah, this is about Phil Lamar today. And we're actually resurrecting a previous Phil Lamar episode from The Vault. It's almost like he's Jesus. You know, he's coming back to life. This episode is returning from the dead. Uh, It's it's flowing back into the cycle. Uh, No more Christ references. Just Phil Lamar and his his (laughs) fanaticism of Batman. Batman comics. Yes. Batman comics. Batman Batman in general. And Batman in specific. And guys, let's talk a little bit about this. uh, This lovely episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. Episode nine. Oh, yes. I was very docu style. I thought that was a lot of fun. I like the idea of this uh, FNN reporter just like, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna do this little documentary. And then it's like expose, of course, on all the all the goings on that are, of course, negative and slanderous. Mm-hmm. that are happening. Also, shout out to the days. pie-eating scene in Stand uh, By Me. I felt like there was a connection there with Jerry and the pies and Lower Decks and everything. I fe- that, you know, there's we talked last week about all the Easter eggs in Lower Decks, and so I felt like that was just like a, ah, wouldn't it be fun if we did, you know, we did something with pies? I'd rather they reference that scene than other pie scenes. Let's just say that, David. That's a good call, Claire. I'm very impressed. I think you connected that very nicely. Mike McMahon is the type of uh, writer, showrunner, creator who would do something like that, as we saw when he brought the planet Tattashore. Yes. You know, like he's that kind of guy. Tattashore <laughs> 9, I believe it was. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> so I think Mike uh, Mike doing the pie-eating uh, Jerry O'Connell reference is great. Yeah, but a pie-eating contest was canceled, and that, that made me sad because all pie-eating contests should never be canceled. They should happen. Uh, Mariner, is cor- of course, resigns and meets with this, like, you know, uh, British archaeologist uh, and, you know, kind of gets involved with that. Every episode nine, by the way, every every time you ever watch an episode nine, if it's a 10-episode season of any television show, animated or not, just know that episode nine is when a lot of stuff goes down because that's what has to happen because it hooks you in mm-hmm. to the finale. So if you're ever like, why is episode nine... Like Got so, so much amazing. going on. Shouldn't that be the finale? <laughs> so many layers. Episode nine's always great. Just like a pie. Yeah. Layers of pie. <laughs> yes. Anyway, let's listen Certain to way. Phil Lamar talk about his fanaticism for Batman comics. Pow, bang. While he has the voice of the Dark Knight, he is but a light in the world. Please welcome Mr. Phil Lamar. <laughs> welcome to the show, Phil. How are you? I'm good, Claire. I'm good, David. How are you guys? Excellent. And you're here to talk about your fantastic, wonderful love of comic books today, specifically Batman. Batman. Yes. I, I love it. I, I And I love the shirt you're wearing. He's wearing, For those of you who can't see, which is all of you, because this is a podcast, uh, <laughs> he is wearing a Batman shirt. Okay. Huh. So many questions in my mind all at once, Phil. <laughs> I got to sort them out. But first question is, mm. Batman comics, Batman specifically... DC Comics, how big of a fan are you? I say that Batman is my totem animal. Okay. Like, Batman is the superhero I love the most. 
it's the, you know, if I had to go on a desert island, I would take Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. You know, that's, I just have to. And it's funny because I, growing up, you know, you're like, it's not like most, you know, little black kid can relate to Batman, but there's just something about the power of that character. And I think maybe it's because he is one of the, you know, iconic superheroes, the big two, and he doesn't have powers, mm. which, which always makes super, to me, Batman makes superherodom possible. It's attainable. You know? It's, it, yes. I mean, that's what, I guess, you know what? I never really thought about that. That's, that's a really good Batman-ish point. I mean, he has the Batmobile, obviously, and he has like right. the suit that has all the contraptions and the ways to do things. But I mean, is that what, tell me about the first time, little, like you said, little boy growing up, you saw this character. What was it that initially drew you to him? And, and how old were you? Yeah, what's your origin story, Phil? How, what, what, was, what was your walking down the dark alley and the pearls falling down <laughs> moment for well, you? See, that's the interesting thing is that, I mean, because Batman is so iconic, you know, it's like, what's your first memory of Mickey Mouse? What's your first memory of the flag? Like, there kind of isn't a specific one so much as I remember when I was 10, we had neighbors who were older and their son came back from college. He just graduated and he was getting rid of his childish things. And he said, hey, do you want this? And he handed me his comic book collection. He had a long box. So, and here's a guy who's, what, 10, 12 years older than me. So I'm now getting comics that he had when he was my age. So, and I still have a handful of them. I have some comics that are older than I am. What was in there? Because that's a special thing. And you you got it at 10 years old, which is like the perfect right? age. No, I have some old mad magazines. I have like, for years, I thought I had seen Chinatown. And I'd only just read the mad magazine parody. But there, <laughs> I have an old detective comics from 1964 or 63. And it's... It's Robin talking to Batman who's got his back turned and then Batman turns around and it's the Joker wearing a Batman cowl. And it's just like, it's scary, but in that light, you know, 60s sort of, oh, that's creepy, but funny, but bad guy, you know, because it's and this, of course, you know, the Batman 60s series was still on TV at that time. So I think I had the idea of Batman, but then I got the comics and I got the real Batman. You know? I, well, I mean, you mentioned the Frank Miller Batman, which is obviously the one that I, I mean, that's kind of the one that I'm most familiar with, you know, the, the darking sort of brooding, right. you know, but it's funny because the character has been around since like early, I think early 1940 or even maybe 1940. So, and yeah. the character didn't start off with that dark side really as much. So what do you think the evolution, how did, how did Batman evolve and what is it that almost a century later we're still wanting more? Like if Christopher Nolan did another Batman movie, I'd be right. super happy. Yeah, no, actually that's really interesting that you brought that up because the character has evolved, but he started dark. He did. The first, the first, Iteration of Batman had guns. Oh, I didn't know that. He had two 45s and he was killing people. There was um, Hugo Strange. He takes the Batplane 
takes a lasso, throws it around the guy's neck, and then flies up and hangs him. That's the that's the last panel of one of the early. It's like Batman defeated the bad guy by hanging him by murder, <laughs> right? And it wasn't until the fifties where he sort of got thick and chunky and square headed, and you know, yeah. because of because comic books themselves changed. Yeah, they did. Well, because that was war. I mean, the 40s was war. You know, comic books were helping kids get through, like, the war. You well, know, the well war. Batman is actually that, pre-war. He was December of 1939, the, oh. first, the first edition. Although, it's funny because over the years, being such a fan, I've, you know, and being in show business, I've had the chance to touch the hem of some of, like, the gods. Because to me, my quintessential Batman is the 70s Batman, when Neil Adams took the character back from Adam West. Neil Adams is an artist, and he reclaimed Batman from the kitschy, campy TV Batman, and he made him dark and scary again, like he was in the 40s. And over the years at conventions, I've actually gotten to meet Neil Adams and go to dinner with Neil Adams and hang out. Wow. And and also once, just once, at San Diego Comic-Con, I was presenting at the Eisner Awards, the comic book Oscars, and I got to meet a guy named Jerry Robinson. Jerry Robinson was somebody who worked for DC Comics, and at 17, he co-created the Joker. Wow. At 17? Yes. Amazing. When you're sitting with these guys, are you do, are you asking them any questions, or are you just more happy to meet them? Well, that's that's always the trick. Is you want to be a fan, but when you got the chance to sit next to them, you don't want them to do him. So basically, you just soak it in. You know, okay. you you ask a couple of questions. You know, like so, did you own a specific deck of cards that you got that image from? But you got to be yeah. deep. You can't just go, Oh my god, I love you! I love you! I love you! <laughs> but the, you could do that on this show about Batman, though, because that's what this show is about. It is about being celebrating what you are fanatical about. OK, but I'm not done with the conversation we were having before. So we're talking about the character debuted, you said, December of 39. Right. Mm -hmm. But then it took this turn with the Adam West series. What yeah. what do you think? made the darkness of the original comics translate because obviously when you take something something to the screen there is it's a different medium so there's going to be a difference but what do you think made the character change from the original dark brooding you know with guns batman to this kind of like do 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 like hokey guy you know what i mean <laughs> and we know why it changed back because people didn't care for that version as much right. but what what was the thought process behind that shift in the character because after the war after world war ii people started paying attention to children because mm -hmm. before if you had a comic book your parents never looked at it you mm -hmm. know they were just happy you were reading something and not spending the money on penny candy but in the 50s when psychology was invented, there was, a, there was a scandal that almost killed the comic book industry. A doctor, a professor named Frederick Wertham, decided that comic books were evil and were turning children into juvenile delinquents. You know all that stuff in Happy Days, Fonzie with the greasy hair and the leather jacket? The real story was, he read a comic book and now look at him. If we want, you know short-haired, you know, good kids, we've got to get rid of this scourge in our society. 
And comic books are like, no, 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 we're okay. We're, look, look, bright colors. Nobody gets killed. Everything's nice and fun and goofy. So help me with my timeline here a little bit. Is mm. this when Stan Lee really started creating like Spider-Man and the the real Marvel characters that didn't have the quote unquote dark side that that Marvel's only started to bring out that dark side in the last two decades? Not quite. Okay. The, that was about 10 years before Stan Lee. Okay. When all those kids were 10 and 12, then when they got into their teens and had money, then Stan started writing and comic books and they went to college and started smoking pot and protesting the war. And the comic books became hip uh-huh. because Stan Lee said, oh, well, what if we're not campy and goofy and writing some grown-up version of, you know, children's entertainment? Mm-hmm. I'm going to write this for the kids who, to, who actually will like it. And he did. And all of a sudden people said, ooh, this is pop art. And not only did he have kids reading them, he had, you know, teenagers and some adults. The people who had grown up on comics. And everyone else was just like, Stan, what are you doing? We work in a trash business. But you're and making us into art? And he was like, He's watch. Like, yep. Watch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Phil, you know all this stuff about the comic book world. When did you start to learn? Because I love comic books to, to death. But you have a knowledge of the history of comic books, which I don't have. Like, I don't have this history. I worked in Marvel Comics for a little bit and everything. Your knowledge, when did this start happening? This did not start happening as you were reading comic books from 10, 11, 12, did it? Or did you like one day hit 35 and just like picked up a book and read about the history of comics? No, actually it happened in my teens. Wow. Right around the time I discovered girls and I realized, (laughs) oh, I don't need all these comic books. I set aside some like really amazing comics that I had, but I took the bulk of that collection that I had and I went to my local comic shop and I traded it for the history of comic book, like two books on the history of comics, which was dumb. It's like, why did I get cash? <laughs> you traded all your comic books for two books on the history of comic books? Which is, a, which is absurd because, mind That's you, so strange. this is pre-90s. <laughs> so the idea of comic books as an investment was not there yet. Oh, so it was no. just this stuff that was taking up a, you know, a cabinet in my house that my mom was complaining about. Get these things out of here. I need some place to put my sheets. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Did you at least keep some, some of the Batman comics? Yes. I kept a lot of the Batman, some of the mad magazines. So I didn't, I didn't get rid of everything. So what are the, some of the Batman comics that maybe you still have that for some reason, maybe it's a certain story that really means something to you today. Like, is there some arc or storyline? And it could be it could be Dark Knight Returns. I, listen, I love that one too. But is there another storyline or just an, a comic that you remember? You're like, that really struck a chord with me. And I wonder why. I mean, it's probably Dark Knight Returns because I have four different, or no, three different iterations of it. I have the original oh, wow. ones I bought off the stands. I have my second versions of those, the second editions that I bought to lend to people. And then I have the hardbacks because... This is art, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm going to and it's going to be on my shelf for the rest of my life. So you were collecting it when it was still coming out week to week because yes. I only got it because I'm a little younger. So I I only got it when I had, you know, when I got the, the, the hardback. But you you were able, you were literally getting it week to week. Were you just like 
as it was coming, were you like, what on earth? This oh, yeah. is the best thing ever. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because there are a handful of things that, you know, because I'm 53 now. So I've seen cultural waves and there's a handful of things that when they hit, you recognize this is big, you know, and later, you know, people go, oh, my God, that's so amazing. But they can't really understand. No, no, no. You think that's amazing now because you're reading about it in college. At the time, the day it came, like Star Wars, Dark Knight Returns, Pulp Fiction, things that nothing was the same after them. Mm -hmm. Yes. And especially for those of us who were reading DC Comics prior to Dark Knight Returns, where it's all about continuity and the crisis on this and, this, you know, Earth 2, Earth 4, you know. <laughs> and Frank Miller's Batman was just like, yeah. oh, he's saying, screw you with all of that. Like, when you read Dark Knight Returns, you're not thinking, well, what about Earth 2, Dark Knight? Nope. <laughs> so what what are you thinking when you're reading it? What, and and how often have you reread it? Because I, I, for me, with like a book, I mean, if I really like a book, I'm jealous of people who haven't read it. I'll go a couple of years and then reread it, you know? So like, how often have you reread this? Um, well, you have to reread Dark Knight. Well, one, every time a Batman movie comes out. Okay. <laughs> and pretty much every election. These are the, these are the rules of <laughs> yes. every election year. Well, because it, it does get political. Is oh, that yeah. really is that important for you? Oh wow. Well, because he grounded the the character again in reality, which was the thing yeah. that set Batman apart initially. Like Reagan, Superman, yeah. you know, it's like nobody's no we're never going to be Superman, but if you live in a city and you see Batman, you know, it's like, "Oh yeah, I had a buddy who got mugged in a street that looked a lot like the one in this panel." You know? Mm. So he regrounded. And the weird thing was, politically, he took Superman and made him like the flag waving super fascist. And we had never seen that before. It's like, oh, dang, you can, can, he, can he say that about Superman? <laughs> you know? And, and the fact that it was just like the way he dug into it and, you know, his version of the Joker. I mean, he basically made the Joker David Bowie. And I'm like, that's true. He did. The Joker is not necessarily straight. <laughs> and it was all these things that had always been there, but we never really acknowledged or thought about, you know, in the mythos of Batman. I have so many questions. Go. But the one that comes to mind is regarding what you were just talking about, especially the creation of the Joker character. Right. And if you had to separate Batman the Joker as like classic characters, which one is well, more well-crafted? Which one is, is better created? Not who's good and who's evil, not who's, you know, right or wrong. Right. But, but it, I mean, the Joker is one to be reckoned with. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, it's Batman <laughs> okay. because, because Batman is a character. The Joker is a symbol. The mm -hmm. Joker is, like when you you know read true crime novels about or something about or is a you know documentary about a serial killer, there is no answer. How did that happen? Why did that? The Joker is the answer to all of those questions. When some when one of these things happens and we read about it in the paper or something, oh my God, how could that be? The Joker embodies that. That's there so is, interesting. There, there's no there's no like and his reason. name like the Joker, the Riddler, the you know right. I mean that's. That's so interesting. I've never thought of that. Because Batman, you can track it. Like, there's a kid. 
who witnesses something that cracks him. But instead of like well, curling up in a ball, it turns into obsession and he aims that obsession at, you know, beating bad guys. And he mm-hmm. builds himself into a, you know, a machine for good. So it's a tragic story with a positive outcome. And that to me is the power of Batman. Joker is, I'm crazy and evil. Okay, but why? Well, because he fell in a vat. What? Wait, what? How does falling in a vat make you a mass murderer? Well, because it was chemicals. So the Joker equals radiation? What, what are we, or is this a pro- anti-nuclear thing? What? The Joker just is cool and scary. Mm-hmm. It's chaos. It's uncontrolled chaos. It's, it's, you yeah, know. it's Jason. It's Freddy Krueger. Yeah. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, you're taking us to Batman Church, and so I think we're about to <laughs> praise and worship, praise and worship the Lord Almighty Bat, which I love. I like that you got these comic books, and that you connected with Batman. But to stick with him and still talk about him like that was—I mean, if you had to ask yourself why you love Batman so much, like, what? Why do you think? I mean, and this is fun. If you've never thought about it, I want this to be the the moment. Like, why do you think you just connect with him? So much. Is it Bruce? Is it the idea of the alter egos that you feel like? I mean, I'm an improviser like you. Like, so you get to play characters a lot. Does it feel like that? A I don't bit, think maybe? so, because obviously in in today's environment, it's the Bruce Wayne part that makes Batman really problematic. It's like, <laughs> oh, so basically billionaires can do whatever they want and beat people. Oh, <laughs> you know, who are you? I'm Batman. Totally great. But I honestly, I think it's what we're talking about. Just that to me, Batman embodies the possibility of sheer will. Of greatness. If you really want it and are willing to work hard, you can be super. And to me, that Mm. means you can, you know, get the part in the play. That means you can be on varsity. That means you can achieve whatever your dream is. And hopefully most of us don't have a dream that comes from a you know, nightmare like his. But it, to me, that's, what, that's what's in, inspiring about Batman. So, Phil, have you ever looked inside yourself? And like, have you ever like, been outside an audition or like, wanted a part or writing something? Or just, or, or heck, you were rock climbing somewhere or whatever. Just have you ever had a moment where you like, looked inside your inner Batman in a weird way? Like, I, I totally dig this. So uh, this isn't me... This is me celebrating, like, have you ever thought about, like, what would Bruce Wayne do, you know, <laughs> and actually gotten that goal? No, I, I I need to tap into my inner Bruce Wayne a lot more, you know, Okay. just because that that doggedness, 
I think I had a, a 15 year writer's block, you know, because I didn't Batman. I didn't just keep working out every day, get stronger. Or do you find yourself in moments when you are feeling like weaker? Like there are moments where I'm like a little disappointed with the world or what, what happened to me. And I'll go and grab a comic and read it because it makes me feel better. And I'm like, you guys are accomplishing the things that maybe I didn't accomplish today. Does that ever maybe happen? To be honest, not really. I don't read the comic books because I relate to them. I read to the, I read them because I enjoy the power of the stories. Love it. You know, yeah. I'm not I'm not putting myself in it. I never imagined myself with a cowl. I just love <laughs> I'm watching it. I'm in the I'm in the theater watching this story happen and like <gasps> and going on the roller coaster. So what is it about reading a comic versus watching a Batman movie? Like what it described the experience and how, how it is to sort of take in the comic medium versus a film or television. Well, I think part of it is when I started watching comic book movies that we didn't have the technology to get anywhere near what, you know, six panels on a page and your imagination could do. Mm-hmm. You know, again, we're talking about Batman who doesn't have superpowers, but just that idea of the the cape, you know, billowing out as he jumps off a building and carries himself down. No movie could really capture the way in your mind you can feel the air on your face. You can hear the ripple, you know, the rippling. Nowadays, it's a different, different thing because, you know, you watch the Hulk in that Avengers movie and like, that's the Hulk. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of real now. But to me, it's the it's the power of your imagination on that page. Because on a novel, the entire thing is in your head. But in a comic book, it's like you're given a boost, mm-hmm. you know, through the, the writing and the illustration. You know, it's like, okay, imagine up to, we're going to give you up to this point, and then you imagine all the way to the other side. So... You mentioned that you have several different iterations of The Dark Knight Returns, but yeah. at, and at one point you sold your collection, which I'm so sad for you for. No, half <laughs> of you it. Were, I, sold, I sold part half of, it. of it. Half of it, part of it. But how, how extensive is your collection now? Way too extensive. Well, but not, not for this show. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a weight or a number. Oh, God. Well, let's see. There's the stuff in the... Because it got to the point where I had to move a good portion of it to the storage unit. How many of those long boxes? Like the, cause those are about 300 Let's in a long see, box, one, two, about 150 three. in a short one. Well, I have four still left at the house, four long boxes, which are just the greats. Those are mm. just the amazing comics. Well, actually three of them are the greats. One of them is the stuff that I've picked up over the years. And then there are probably s- 10 in the storage unit. Wow. And the thing is, I don't consider myself a collector. I'm not buying them for, you know, investment. I just have that many because I find it really hard to throw away a book. Uh, Claire, do we need to tell Phil something what, what? right now? What? Uh, <laughs> he is, in fact, a collector of comics. Is this a, is this a, is this a come to it's comics a, It's a good moment? time to let you know that you do qualify as a collector. <laughs> You are a collector. <laughs> I am both excited for you, and I'm, and uh, you are you are in a safe space. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yes, I'm a I'm a collector by result, not by intent. Because because nearly five thousand comic books, Phil, you're a collector. But you know there are people. Well, that's because I'm old. 
But there are people who buy comics specifically for their value. That to me is a true capital C collector. Oh, okay. You know? Well, then you're a very good lowercase C. I, I was a collector for probably six months once in my teens, and I kept trying to buy number ones. Mm -hmm. Oh. And all the number ones I bought were crap and wound up being worth nothing. Well, except for one. I do have Moon Knight number one. Ooh, I love Moon Knight. Right? And that's another way. That, that's Batman-esque because Moon Knight goes, not that we're taking a Moon Knight tangent, oh, yeah. but like, right? He's he's an actor, but he's kind of a little loopy, a little right. crazy. And he's and he rich, gets into but this. he's, yeah. And he, yeah. No, he is definitely a Batman. I won't say knockoff, but homage. No, homage. Batman homage. So, okay. The, Batman. Back to I gotta Batman. talk more about Batman. <laughs> the character has been around eighty years. It's been touched by so many different writers, so many different anchors, so many different actors, yeah. so many different George directors. Clooney. As we are in twenty twenty, what is the psychology of Batman? That's that's a tough one because the whole idea of a masked vigilante. I mean, because nowadays mm -hmm. Batman, most most of us look at Batman the way Frank Miller was looking at Superman. It's like, oh, that used to be cool, but now you're a corny ass, you know. But because now you look at Batman, it's like, okay, here's a billionaire psychopath. Mm -hmm. The good part sort of seems so small now. And that's why I think they've had a tough time lately coming up with a really powerful. The focus has been on the other characters. Yeah. 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 Or just like, oh, it's Batman in the Suit Justice League. It's like, really? It's like, yeah, I'm just Captain Batman. I'm going to so, get everybody together. It's like, what? He's a lone warrior. He's in the alleys at night. He can't be walking around with Aquaman. <laughs> well, I mean, I want to walk around with Jason Momoa, but Batman <laughs> can stick to his own thing. Walk around. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. Uh, but... <laughs> So my point is, what is the story that has been left untold? Where do we go with the character from here? On the page or the screen? Ooh, yeah, you get to write the next Batman story, Phil. What, what do you write? I think you've got to go back to his urban roots. You've got to go with Batman and Gotham. Mm -hmm. So he's not crazy. He just reflects someone who is pushing back against the deterioration of the cities, like all these forces that are making them so awful and unsafe. And he is one man trying... See, that's the thing. I think you've got to take Batman away from the legacy. Because mm -hmm. once you add 80 years, it gets weird. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, so if you've been fighting crime for 80 years and you ain't made a dent in it, maybe you should give up. Or if you're a billionaire and... You know, you're just liking to, you just, maybe you just like to hit people. You know, you need to set all that stuff aside and focus back on the man who is driven to make this place, my city, Gotham, safe. I think they're actually doing a pretty good job of it with Batwoman, the series. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. I don't know if you guys have watched it at all, but. Well, tell us what, you know, strikes your chord they, on watching it. They brought it sort of back to the roots. Here is someone who is driven and. The weird thing is she's she doesn't build everything. She inherits it, but she's got the same willpower and obsession and drive and desire to save people, you know? Mm -hmm. So in that respect, it ties it back to, you know, the core character, 
without the problematic thing of like, well, if you had a billion dollars, why are you going to the street beating people? Why don't you just go to an island? You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Phil, people in your life, your uh who who in your household, are are you always talking Batman or are they like enough enough or is this a private thing is this more of a private thing that you kind of just share with us yeah. and your thoughts honestly i'm the only nerd in my house okay and i mean thankfully with the nerd wave that's happened over the last 10 years where all of this stuff that used to get you beat beat up when i was a kid is now full-on mainstream oh super my, cool. my you know rapper son and my jock daughter now actually like the cw shows and and actually uh, just last week i finally turned her on to buffy Oh, you know, so they're finally into <laughs> sci-fi, fantasy, nerd, comic book, superhero stuff in a way that they were not when they were little. It's definitely become more mainstream in a good yeah. way, though, I think, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, OK, yeah. couple couple more questions, because I'm still just thinking about your massive collection. Are, <laughs> are the kids allowed to touch those long boxes? Is the wife allowed to get in there and touch or are these no touch zone? Do not ruffle. Let's see. The answer I can tell. (laughs) The answer is no. Do they even want to touch it? They are not allowed. No. Okay, good. But they don't want to. So So it's a win-win. Every once in a while, I'll bring out a a hardback collection or something for somebody to read. Uh, Like when my daughter got into the Marvel movies, I brought out some of the old comics. But by and large, they're not interested in old comics. Right. I mean, maybe I'll hold up. Hey, here's the first issue of Teen Titans. Like. Okay, here. I'm just going to turn the cartoon back on. <laughs> but they're not really interested in getting into the dusty, uh, you know, long boxes. So what is your I'm big with routine. Like I, I have a certain routine in the morning. I have a certain routine in the evening. What is your comic book reading routine? <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I always joke that comic book fans are worse than junkies. Because a junkie only goes to his dealer when he needs more stuff. Mm-hmm. A comic book head shows up every Wednesday because it's new comic day. <laughs> Even if you haven't finished reading the stack you bought last it's, week. It is true. <laughs> and it's actually one of the reasons that I started going digital is because I was coming back from my comic book store every Wednesday afternoon with books. And then I open them up and I realize, oh, I accidentally bought this twice. <laughs> I've done that. And you're like, you know what? Let me just keep them both. You don't return it. You're oh, just God, like, no. I, you know, who knows? Yeah. yeah, you never return it. You're just like, eh, I got an extra one. Congrats exactly. to me. <laughs> you know, now, of course, you know, my diehard, my Batmans, I will have read those. But like, I saw a Hulk cover that caught my eye. And then, of course, I didn't read it yet. But my routine is every Wednesday, I go on Comixology and see what's new. It's funny because I actually used to get on Periscope for New Comics Day and say, hey, what are people reading? Anybody, who's got, uh, you Oh, know, I love that. You know, recommendations. And I actually got turned on to a couple of things that I wouldn't normally have read, you know? So that was, that was cool. Speaking of recommendations, we usually uh, end our show with what is your Batman comic to get someone into a Batman world that has never been ever read a Batman comic. I'm assuming it's going to be Dark Knight Returns, but I don't know. Maybe you're going to surprise me with a different one. Well, I mean, because Dark Knight Returns, I think, is more powerful for people who are Bat fanatics and who have a Batman background, which is actually most people. 
Most people know about Batman, which is what makes the character so hard to take into other realms. Because even people who have never picked up a comic book will look at a movie or an animated show and go, well, wait a minute, Batman wouldn't do that. And everyone has some idea of what Batman would or wouldn't right. do because he's so because he's iconic, you know, ubiquitous. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's yeah. See the story. Actually, for me, it's yeah. the giant size reprint of the original Detective Comics because even though it's old fashioned, it's still powerful and it's not corny. It's like this dark brooding thing. And they somehow managed to capture this sort of like horrorish feel in that old timey, you know, three color world. And I think it, I think if for somebody who's never seen, they're like, oh, wow. And I think it gives people a sense of why this character is, why this character still matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, OG, OG. I, I, I mean, like Phil, you're first of all, thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you for coming Aww. on the show. Second of all, I'm totally going to go pick up a copy of Frank Miller's, you know, <laughs> I, I, I you know, I interviewed him with <gasps> Stan Lee years ago. I think no. you, uh, you must have remembered. Yeah, it was a huge I think it was at Emerald City and it was so interesting talking to him. But I now I really want to read that specific comic and like yeah. dive in there that's a series of four right is yeah. it mm-hmm. yeah okay mm-hmm. so i thought and he int- and the fact that he introduced a female robin was right like mind-blowing at the time yeah 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 so i i mean you know i got i got some more to say about you and batman but we'll save it for another day <laughs> um you're awesome thank you i'm gonna go pick thank up the comic you. and then we're gonna have you back on the show and we could do a deep deep dive david because okay. i know you're familiar with it and phil you are and then i will educate myself and we will get into that specific book how's that sound Sweet. deep into the dark night. All right. dive into the dark night all right thank Perfect. you everybody phil lamar thank you CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Isn't Phil the best guy? He's so awesome. I I just feel like so lucky that I have crossed paths with him enough to get to know him as a friend because I haven't actually directly worked with him, which I find disturbing, David. Anyway, disturbing. Yeah, I mean, I think I should work with him. He's awesome. You're a comic guy. What do you read? What's your jam? What do you get on? Isn't it Wednesday Comic Day? Wednesdays is when all the new comics. Wednesday is when when comic books drop. Yeah. Comic book Wednesday. By the way, you should invite Phil to the farm. I feel like you should see if he can do something. Yeah, but then he may get murdered. 
No spoilers. <laughs> oh my gosh, Claire! It's one of those. It's lifetime a murder movies. movie. Right, I'm yes, David. What are you? Excited. What are you reading? What is your comic jam? I do still collect comic books to this very day. Ever since I was 12 years old, and I am a big Marvel guy. I will occasionally appreciate a good Batman comic. I, you know, where I, you know, where I, I, I go with Phil on this is Dark Knight Returns. Uh, the I believe it was Dark Knight 3 as well that came out a couple years ago, which I thought was really fun. I really do appreciate a good Batman story, but I don't collect. Like If you tell me like, hey, read this Batman novel, graphic novel, I'm like, let's do it. In If it's like beginning to end, boom. But if it's like, hey, check out like, you know, issue number 674 of Batman, I'm like, nah, give me like a, give me a truncated, you know, Beginning, middle, end, Batman story, and I'm in. But I'm I'm just a Fantastic Four guy to this day, and I think, and I don't even necessarily think it's the greatest comic book. It's just I like that family dynamic of it, and I just think that still it still it still gets me. You know, Batman's dark, Claire. Mm-hmm. Batman is a dark time. It is, and I don't think I have such a dark side to myself and I think I'm okay with that. That's good. I have a question as a as someone who yeah. enjoys comics but isn't an avid collector or reader. But I am a completionist when it comes to authors. You are. I I do have a question for you. Do people would would a higher percentage of people pick up randomly and read random comics or do people read it like all the way through? Like starting at issue 1 and they've read every issue. Which is it? So Claire, this is actually a legitimately good question. Okay. So here's here's my answer for your very good question. Comic book companies have kept fighting, trying to win over people because it's really hard to be like, here's issue 544, which is what comes out. Because people feel like a natural, if you just walk into a comic book shop, you or anyone would be like, I'm not going to pick up this issue. I'm. I, it's like starting General yeah. Hospital in the middle of like right, season now. four. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I have to catch up on like hundreds of years of characters and plot lines. This is crazy. So because they know that they're fighting that all the time, they literally have a little number now that says like issue 674. It's a legacy number on the comic book. But almost every January or March, they start again at number one. They have there's You can walk into a comic book shop and you will see more number ones than you have ever seen. And then when I grew up as a child, it never had that many number it's ones. You will see number one because they want to just keep getting you in and starting a new storyline right. in a way that. Well, yeah, I, I so can appreciate go. that. It, you know, it's like a new season of TV. You know what I mean? You you have yeah. some shows like I believe uh, Stargate was one that's written as a five season block. And then you have some shows where you can just dip in and dip out. So I can appreciate both aspects of that. Thank you, David. Have the boys gotten into comic books? No. Not yet. Do you think they might? Yeah, they they like them. I mean, you know, I th- it's expensive. They definitely have some, and they like them. So the potential is there. It is it is right, right. there. I might have to drop a few your way and, and try to start the bug. You know what's nice about comics? It makes you a good reader. Mm-hmm. It makes you good at the vocabularies. Yes, and makes you good on the tests, like testing things. Yes, yes, all positives for sure. <laughs> 
Speaking of positive, check out all of our other podcast episodes. Uh, we just enjoyed the Lamar Redux, uh, and you can listen yourself to any of our previous episodes again if you'd like and enjoy all that. Like, subscribe, share, five stars, all the positive things. Thanks so much, as always, for being here. It means so much to us. And we cannot wait to finish out this Lower Decks campaign. This was episode nine. It was full of intrigue and drama. But trust me, the season finale of Lower Decks is a good one next week. See you then. Boom. Before we let you guys go, let me tell you just a little bit about next week's episode. We are still going strong with Star Trek Lower Decks, as you can see on Paramount Plus every single week, season three. And we have on the one, the only Mariner herself. Yes, Miss Tawny Newsom. You know her from so many things like Star Trek Lower Decks, Space Force, Bajillion Dollar Properties, How It Ends, and of course the podcast, Star Trek, The Pod Directive. And yo, is this racist? And we get to talk with her about her love of hosting guests at her home. Yes, she loves to bring people to her big compound of delightfulness in the desert. And you guys get to hear all about it. And listen up next Thursday. Thank you much. Good night. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. For more episodes and info, head over to wearefanatics.com or tweet your Fanatics thoughts and stories at wearefanatics. Yes, that's we are F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S. Our show is hosted by Claire Kramer and me, David Magadoff. Produced by me, Claire Kramer, and Kelsey Goldberg. Executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And you can thank Stephen Mudd for our theme song. Catch us next Thursday for another Fanatics episode. Phil Man. Phil Man.